What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. And I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is PJ Brady. We connected over his book, Raising Kids to Be Brave, Smart, and Kind. We dug into so much, including Guilt vs. Shame, a poem that will make most men cry, and how to calm your kids down. Enjoy meeting my friend, PJ. What is up, my friends? Super stoked to be talking fatherhood with my new friend, PJ. PJ, how are you today? You know what? I'm fantastic. <laughs> Today's been a great day, actually. Or I should say this evening, right? I mean, I'm in Hawaii. It is 11.12 a.m. and you are? Belgium, just outside of Brussels. We're quarter after 10 at night. P.M. <laughs> Dude, I love almost always technology other than the five minutes it took us to try to get on here together <laughs> but my mic, if you think my about property. the if you think about the time and effort and money it would take for us to have met in person um clearly more than did, five minutes i mean how did they do podcasts via letter before technology that's what <sighs> i know they're all in a book now in a shelf <laughs> and books people actually read them yeah yeah i know i i i was reading your book today um but we'll get into that. So I want to ask you a few questions just to help people understand who I'm talking to right now. How old do you find yourself today? Physically speaking, I'm 45 years old. Mentally, I okay. had some 18-year-old moments today. I was, I was stoked. I was coaching my daughter's hockey team and mm. for the first time ever. And I thought it was like a throwback to when I was in high school. It was fantastic. 45 officially, though, Ned. I love that answer, though, because the, the realization that there are times – on a positive and negative that I'm 18, right? And then and then in some areas, I might feel like a 65-year-old man uh, because of the amount of things I've done. I don't know. Um, how many years you've been married? Yeah, going, on going on 16. 16 years. Okay. Yes, and then how many kiddos do you guys have? And what are their three, age range? We have three little girls. So Alexandra is almost 13. Uh, Emmeline's about to turn 11. And Josephine's about to turn 7. Mm, so sweet are they right? just daddy's girls or what oh I, they, they all are every single one mm. of them and my my wife is like are you kidding me are you kidding we couldn't have had just one <laughs> like just one to be a to be a mama's girl or a mama's boy no sorry i took rain love it love it moms moms get plenty <laughs> uh, i say things like that occasionally just to help the the crowd of moms listening just go away. This is for dads. There's enough for moms. <laughs> um, off instantly. Yeah. What do you do for a living to provide for the family? So the uh, the job I've been doing for the past couple years is I started my own business <clears throat> and I've worked in leadership for a long time. I worked with several leadership nonprofit organizations, and the last one I was working with entrepreneurs who 
were in the Europe, Middle East, Pakistan, Africa region. So I'd travel around and I would facilitate wow. these leadership uh, meetings and these workshops. And we talked a lot about values. And as I was doing that, my girls were being born too. So I started talking about values with my kids and actually how to raise them with values. And I started in the leadership field at that time. And then educators started picking up my work and putting it into classrooms, which is fantastic and amazing. Yeah. And now that's what I do. I speak, I facilitate and um, do workshops, a little bit of coaching with leaders to help them find their values and to act from a place of values. Now, <clears throat> you do that more in the educational space or with, with still with business leaders? The business leaders pay the bills. So <laughs> my clients, yeah, yeah. those are the ones who pay me money. And then I, I've, gotten, I've done a couple things paid in the education world. And besides that, I'm trying to give it away all for free and help teachers where I can because, quite frankly, they're saving the planet <laughs> right now in my mind Yeah, and uh, yeah. educating our youth. So in, I'm, I'm trying to get more into the educational field, but right now the businesses and uh, organizations. And, and I sincerely like that work. I mean, they're looking to do it for the right reasons and um, there to help them. Yeah. I mean, if a business is going to really take a look at their values, right? I mean, any good CEO is is that's going to last is looking at their values from them as a person. And if they're going to shift and get focused around their values and then pass that down to their people, I know our team has greatly... Um, greatly improved based on having very clear core values. We call them guiding principles. And every week, so we have seven of them and every week we choose one and we rotate them. So like, we'll say it on our daily huddle. This is our guiding principle this week. How did you live that out to mm -hmm. this week's is um, strive to be better today than yesterday. And so then we take a couple minutes for everybody to share either a way that they succeeded in that or did not. Um, but what's rad is that trickles into family, no doubt about it. And so if a CEO is doing that in his company, you know, I got nine team members, but you got 500, 1,000, 10,000, all of a sudden you're actually having impact in families, in homes, um, and, and hopefully in education. So beautiful work, man. Thank you. I dig it. Appreciate it. When you go ahead. Oh, I, it was actually kind of, that's how business leaders showed me this idea it was more, more theirs than mine. When I was going around doing these values-based leadership uh, sessions and the values that I started instituting with my girls were to be brave, smart, and kind. And then I would, mm -hmm. I would just do the introduction about my family. And this is what values mean. And this is how it boils down. And this is how you can derive actions from them. And then I said, let's find out what your values are. And then I would do this workshop where we'd go through and everyone would figure out their own values. And then uh, like a, six months later, this leader came up to me and he's like, Hey, I took your brace mark kind and I'm putting it in my family and it's working so well. Thanks for that session. And I was like, great. Wait a second. The session wasn't on being brace mark kind. It was finding your values to put into your family. And he's like, yeah, yours works so well. I just decided to take those. And I was like, huh? All right. There, there's something to this. There's something here that, uh, that can help that. And so it was a, a leadership session about business that then they put into their families. And that's just how all this started to rise up, you know? so let me ask you this because uh and I, i've got some more just kind of general questions but um when you think about core values since we're on this already don't most of us have the same values i mean sometimes i think about the effort we spend on our values when i really want to be connected with my kids let's just say right so family family is important now i might say we're a you know we're a 
giving family or we're a adventurous family or we might I might add some sort of descriptive word to that. But what are your thoughts on that? Because, yeah, I want my kids to be brave. I want them to be smart. I want them to be kind. And, yes, it could look different slightly. But, anyways, what's your thoughts on on the importance of core values versus just living intentionally with what we all care about? Sure. Well, and there's there's two things there. So <clears throat> I'll challenge any time that someone says that family is their value. And that's not to say that's not what they value. I don't question that in the least. But it's saying, here's here's what I value versus what here are my values. Because there's never been someone who values family and they say, I'm dedicated to my family, who isn't also dedicated to their friends, dedicated to other aspects of their life. Their value might be dedication as opposed to family. Now, they apply it in different circles. So people who put their family first, fantastic. You know, that's where these values should be. To the question of, don't we all have the same? Here's what I started to do when I was working with, before I had daughters and I was doing all this values-based leadership stuff, I had a list of like 300 values. Mm -hmm. And we'd go through and I'd say, all right, you guys pick what, uh, we'd go through some questions like what leaders do you willingly follow? What sort of teammates do you want? What kind of friends? Let's talk about failure because actually I believe you fail because of an excess of values, not a lack of values. Mm. Let's talk about where you're angry because if you're angry at something, that is a break in your values. So I'd ask all these mm, questions and we'd come up with the words and the definitions and things. I was looking at that. And then I went and I went into my family and I said, it was, I didn't intend to do very smart and kind with my girls. I just said, what am I sick of in the world? And I was like, I'm, I'm sick of people using fear to control other people. Mm -hmm. So I, wanted, I, want, I want my girls to understand fear and I don't want them to be controlled by it. That's how I define bravery. I'm sick of people sitting in front of their screens, digesting any sort of information without any sort of critical thought. I want my girls to think about things. I want them to be quote unquote smart. And then I'm just tired of the lack of kindness in the world and the lack of kindness that people have towards themselves as well. Mm -hmm. I want my daughters to be kind. So I started doing this brave, smart, kind stuff. And I was doing this 300 value stuff with, with my leaders. And it wasn't until I looked at it through this lens of brave, smart, kind that I looked at those 300 values and I could put a B an S or a K in front of every single one of those 300 values. Mm -hmm. So what that meant to me is the brace mark kind, whether it was pre-programmed in my brain through history and through communities and culture, whatever it is, every single value that we have is either how we overcome, how we critically think, or how we treat others and ourselves. There's no value that I have found yet that doesn't fall into at least one of those buckets. So in my mind, yeah, we are all brave, smart, and kind in our own ways. But if your smart is creativity, great, let's lean into that. Yeah. It's not everybody's. Right. If your smart is intention, great, let's lean into that. If it's perspective, I don't know what it is. So I, I, we all have the same values in terms of we'll have ways in which we overcome, ways in which we critically think, ways in which we treat people. And it's important to know whether it's based on individuals or based on country culture or uh, regional culture, whatever it is, to understand those better so that those people who do want to live with that intention know how to do that. But as soon as we start seeing in our kids different values than what we have, sometimes that really pisses a parent off. And they're like, no, you need to be this and this and this. Slow down, dad. <laughs> They've got different values than you. You still have values and way in which you overcome. But I think once we start looking at our children as individuals and recognizing their superpowers 
We get to meet them where they're at. We get to show them that they're special and unique in the ways that they are. And then we get to speak to those. But if we go around thinking that they just are supposed to have our values or they have everyone else's, I feel I've missed the boat on that several times, not just with my kids, but with others as well. But you would say that you do pass values down to your kids. Heck yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. With with your actions and whether you know your values or don't know your values. But here's the thing is, I say that we 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 succeed because of our values and we fail because of our values. Yeah. So if you're a very dedicated person and you're so dedicated, you become stubborn. That's your negative value. Right. We pass down our positive values and our negative values down to our kids. And then the funny part is, is we get mad at them about it. <laughs> like, I hate seeing my negative values in my kids. And that sets me off even more because I know where they came from. And if I could choose to right. change one thing about them, it's the negative things that I see in myself. So then would you, yeah. So would you agree though, that, um, it's really important for a father and mother, but remember this is about dads to continue to work on himself and, and overcome, develop tools, whatever, um, around those negative values, instead of trying to help your kid overcome theirs, you overcome it yourself because your kids are going to watch you versus you telling them what to do. You've got to, you've got to, I mean, there's, there's. Here's what I I joke about sometimes is people say, oh, well, I lead by example. I lead by example. I lead by example. No shit, Sherlock. Sorry, is this a PG podcast? No. (laughs) Like, we all lead by example. But if you lead by good example or bad example, they're going to follow your lead, right? So if you don't work on yourself, then you're going to be struggling and failing and disconnecting working with your children when you start to work on theirs, right? That doesn't, you can't function like that. So when you talk about helping your kid find their own value, is is this saying okay? So for the for the Brady family, smart is our value, but for this child, it's you know creativity, and for this child, it's you know depth of science or space or whatever. Is that kind of uh, what you would lean into versus our culture of like do whatever, think whatever, value whatever you want? I so. I I see both of those as as true. It's yes, recognizing what theirs are and (laughs) do what you want. (laughs) It's not, it's not the, it's not trying to shape their values. It's trying to get them to understand it. And in those times it does shape their values. It's just where your is your goal to try to get them to value one thing over another, because then it's going to be trying to put a round peg into a square hole regularly, which is going to frustrate everybody. Or is it start to see what resonates with them? Start to look where their patterns are. And once you see, once you look at through a lens of brave, smart, and kind, it's not like they have infinite values in all of those. They tend to try to overcome in the same ways. And then they'll fail at it. And then they tend to think in similar ways. And then they'll fail at it, right? So it's... Yeah, so... Okay, so what if I don't value health? I don't want to brush my teeth, Dad. I just don't value that. To what level am I to learn a value because I'm born into a family that teaches me a value and then I create habits around this value, right? Because our values are really lived lived out by the habits we create around them. Yeah. So, so to what level, because I just think that it's, 
it's dicey to say like do whatever you want because clearly i gotta force my three-year-old to brush their teeth oh i see sorry i misunderstood the question so it's not do whatever you want it's it's have whatever value you choose but it's again it's what our values are versus what we value those are different things so health isn't necessarily a value health is where you apply your values so let's say creativity is one of my kids and they don't want to brush their teeth i'm gonna help them find some weird creative way to do it with some sort of invention that i don't know brushes their teeth for them it's gonna lean into their value to then help create whatever actions we're looking to achieve sorry i misunderstood the action perfect perfect no 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 that that makes sense that makes sense um, okay. So I have f- some questions that I'm going to skip over because there's three things in your book that I want to dig into with you. Yep. But before I do, I'm going to ask you the one question that I ask every guest. Now this podcast is fatherhood field notes. You've already started doing it, but you will do it the, the rest of the time is, is opening up your life, sharing it with us. But the mantra behind it is rebel and create. So what that means is I'm rebelling against something as a man. I want to tear something down, but not just to be destructive. I want to create something beautiful out of it. Um, And as men, we were made to create. So what is something that you are rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? And there's so much. I'll only give you one. Uh, So many things I want to rebel against. There's this saying that says... um, it's applied to parenthood so often it's they say it's it's quality over quantity and i see so many dads say Mm. it's like the quality time that i'm spending not the quantity of time that i'm spending and they people have and i'm not saying this is everyone everywhere people have used that as a convenient excuse to not show up for their families because they say when i'm there it's quality time i had a dad who tried to do quality over quantity and my parents were divorced i saw him twice a year and i'm probably the extreme case in this And the one that I noticed was my stepdad who was always there. Was it always quality? No, Mm. it wasn't. But he was present when I needed him. I should. And that was one of the ways he showed that he cared. So he was at every soccer match. He was at all the, all the things that I was participating. He was present for. And so that's not to say, uh, yes, quality. Yes, please spend quality time with your children. But with my girls, I change my life around. I change my work around. I change my schedules around. So I get to be very present in their lives. And then I don't miss the stuff that I need to catch to make that quality time, real quality time, you know? So I, sorry, I guess I answered both questions in the one is <laughs> rebelling against that, that idea yeah, no. and then yeah. creating that presence that I've got with my girls to make sure that they know I'm, I'm here from that. I get to connect in that sort of way. Dude, beautiful, challenging uh, to consider and think about. And, and, I think sometimes I'm always trying to make the time quality and I'm realizing now, especially now that my kids are 10 to 17, especially so I have two 13 year olds, a 14 year old and a 17 year old that sometimes it is just uh, like, it's okay for me to be playing guitar at the house and them doing their own thing. Like it's okay for us to be doing our own thing. Sometimes I'm constantly like, I need to be doing something intentional with them. Right. You know what I mean? And so that, that just quantity, like just being there versus trying to make, I think sometimes I squash the family with making everything quality. <laughs> and so they're just like, sometimes, like, dad, over. all right. It doesn't have to yeah, be that meaningful. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So I am holding your book, raising kids to be brave, smart, kind, give us the, I mean, we've already been talking about it, but yeah. give me, uh, so it's it's parenting with purpose. Get it on Amazon. Please write a review if you do. Great book. 
give us the 60 second of if you as a parent are wanting to xyz this is what's in here this is what you're going to get I mean, I say it's about parenting and raising kids to be brave, smart, and kind, but what it's more about is finding your own brave, smart, and kind and living that with intention and showing your kids how to do that by example. So then once you yeah. figure out that framework, then you can help them with theirs, you know, but it's, yeah. it's much more working on yourself than it is working on your kids. Beautiful, beautiful. So grab it on Amazon. It's solid. Now I'm going to tell you, there's three things I want to dig into on this. Okay. And this right. first one shook me. Um, so I have one son. And so in the beginning, you share that in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, the book starts off with this poem. This poem is by Livingston Learned. Learned? Yep. And you got yeah. it sitting on your desk. I'm literally okay, you holding just... it on my desk. But yes, yes, that's it. Father forgets. Yeah. Okay. So this poem, give us the 30-second version of what this poem is, and then I'm going to tell you what shook me, and then I want to dig into this with you. I mean, it's a heart-crushing, soul-giving poem that talks about a father who is writing a poem to his his son as he sleeps because he realizes in a moment of terror that he is trying to treat his son like an adult and holding him to all the standards of an adult. And by the end of it, he says, I need to realize that you're just a boy. And sometimes I forget that. So that gets to me every way. Uh, look it up. Father Forgets. It's an amazing one. Yeah, guys, you have to have this poem in front of you. It, it It is true for every one of our hearts that we get distracted by the work that's in front of us and miss, miss the moments and the opportunities to connect. And dude, my 13-year-old son and I, I feel like most of my interactions have been this poem. Yeah. And, and I mean, to the point where like my son runs up and gives me a hug and kisses me. Hey, good morning, dad. Hey, what's up? And he's 13, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so this, I just underline a few things that I'm going to read. Like this dad is working on in, in the poem. He's like, I was working on a project or whatever. And you ran up and you hugged my neck and you kissed me with a ton of like, just, you know, a bloom blooming in your heart, which whatever it, it's like, the kid is so full of joy and the dad's just like still seeing things that the kid could be doing differently. Um, and this, this, and what, here's what really struck me, bro. He says, uh, this is a habit that I created essentially. Like I would see you and I would need to correct you. Like, dude, every day I find something, my son, one of his chores mm -hmm. is the backyard. Every day I find something. I find myself, okay, here's a habit. Dude, here's a sick <laughs> habit. Looking for fault? Dads, I, I'm an asshole. I walk by my son's room, and my habit is I peek my head in to see if the fan is on when, he, when I know he's gone. Every time, like, right? That's a habit, dude. Yeah. That's a habit. Every time. It's, and, and it's like, sure, my electricity bill is effed. Because we live in Hawaii and I have five kids and I have everyone showering and washing their clothes, but that's a habit. Um, and, and here's the thing, man. And this is what locks it up for me is I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't want people to get confused and I want, let's talk about this, but this isn't about treating your son like a boy. Right, because our job is to call him into a man, but it is not measuring him by the same yardstick I'm measuring myself by. It's allowing him the freedom, and frankly, for me to find the freedom too, to, to find playfulness in my day. 
and not just be disciplining him at every freaking corner. So, dude, let's dig into this. Why, when did you find this, and how long has it been printed on your desk? And let's let's go. Yeah, yeah. So, I I don't remember the first time I read Dale Carnegie, but How to Win Friends and Influence by Dale Carnegie should be required reading for every human in existence, (laughs) especially for fathers. And I was reading it through, and I got to the point, same one, where he, the father was mad. Like, he looked up from his desk and said, what do you want? And the boy just ran into his office and just hugged, put all this love, mm. everything he's got into him. And then he ran off and went to bed. And that moment right there, I just started crying, like, <laughs> bawling at this yeah. home. Not only for the way that I am as a father, but also the way that my father was as well. You know, the, the habit of finding fault is what he was saying. And so in that, I just, I, I melted at this poem and I was so, it, it changed the way that I was as a father instantaneously. This whole book did, but especially that poem. And here's the kicker. And this one still gets to me too, is, so I printed this off. As soon as I, I read it, I was like, I'm, I want to memorize it. I still haven't memorized it, but I've got it pretty well in my brain. So I printed it off. I put it on my door. I read it every single day to remind myself to be present with my kids in a very loving and nurturing way. And then that was, that was probably around 2010 when Alexandra was born. And then I had a lot of pain with my father. So parents got divorced, saw him twice a year, Uh, a good person, not a great father. And when we were around, he was very strict. And when we weren't around, he just wasn't present in the least. And I've never, I've always seen myself like be the father that he wasn't. That's what Mm -hmm. I I, I witnessed or that's what I wanted to live. And then my father passed away in the summer of 2020. And so I went back to his place to gather his things. And my sister and I were going through old papers and going through all this thing, all this stuff. And I opened up the desk next to his bed and he had some papers in it, you know, some keepsakes and pictures of my daughters and, um, and I found this old weathered piece of paper and I unfolded it and it was this poem he had written out and had next to his table. I'm still getting chills. I still get, I still get choked up over it. He noticed how amazing this was. Uh, this book was written in 1936, by the way, it's, it's got longevity to it. My dad. Read so your that dad had the same poem. Same poem. He had the same out. poem in his nightstand. Yeah that you had and you didn't know he had it. He hadn't connected you to this book or anything. Never. Okay. So what was the roadblock for him to not live into this poem where you are shifting and you're living into this poem? I I think in part, he didn't have a father to learn from. He, his father died when he was four years old. And so I'm sure he read this somewhere, but he didn't have the I, I wish I knew. I wish I would have been able to ask him when he was alive to to get to the point where he witnessed this in himself and whether he was too embarrassed or he didn't know how to bridge the gap or because he hadn't been present in my life for so long. But it's not like he didn't recognize it. He just didn't create any action. To, to what degree to what degree do you think he had the poem as a son? with the father who versus died when he father. was four versus as a father. You know what? You just putting that in my mind, I didn't even think about that. I thought about it as him as a father. I didn't think about it as him as a son, which 
it's heartbreaking to me that he was raised without that sort of guidance. And again, good man, right? I'm not taking that away yeah. from him in the least. Just yeah. not a great father. I I wish I knew. Do you think he thought he was a good dad? No. No, I'm going to guess he felt yeah. he was more embarrassed and there is a lot of pride that he couldn't shake to do the things yeah. that he probably, that he wanted to do. When we yeah. were together, it's not that he didn't show me any love. He, we went to Magic Mountain. We went like all these places. Yeah. But it was twice a year for a week and then zero presence, you know? So, yeah. I wish I, I, wish I knew Dude, what this... was eating him in, in that, I'll say it, cancer, even though that's not what he passed up. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what sort of fatherhood cancer did he have that he couldn't bridge? I don't, I don't know. But in, in that, I don't have to know all those answers for me to be present and live it with my girls. Yeah because he didn't you know yeah it's wild how much this matters huh yeah yeah it does like the role the role the father the love of a father the presence of a father dads you have so much power so much it's wild that you don't even think about and that and that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to think and it, i know it's morbid but i'm trying to i think deathbed sometimes i'm like i'm on my deathbed yeah what yeah. have i done what have i accomplished what have i gone through to the point that i this People are going to be like, PJ, you're a freak. It's not. I got it from Tim Urban. I've got on the back of my values that I have on my desk in a frame, I've got to check uh, boxes and I check a box for every week that I've lived. And I know when they're going to expire at a maximum. It could expire tomorrow. But I know that I'm only living to a certain age. All of our time here is temporary. How am I going to make the most of that and be very purposeful? Parenting with purpose, with intention while I've got time on this planet when I've marked off when I've got my girls in the house for, because that parenting is different than, than when the parenting, when they leave the house, I just want to yeah, be, yeah, I, I want to be aware of it and be knowledgeable so I can make the most of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me take a look at this poem. See if there's anything else I want to say about it. So many um, dude, so many things like the, the moment that the dad says that the son is yelling and waving by dad as he goes to school and the dad just notices like his shirt's not tucked in or what. I don't know what it is, but, but it's like, dude, come on, bro. Like (laughs) you want to be there and come on to me. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing is you go, it doesn't, in the moment, it doesn't matter, but why, why so much of the time do I choose to see the things to improve upon um, versus the things to celebrate. And it's like, I wrote this comment down, like what if us dads were to create the habit of when I say something, let's use critical, although let's say it in a nicer way. When I say something, coaching, teaching, whatever, what if in my head, I'm like, okay, now the next two things out of your mouth to your son need to be loving, celebratory, fun, whatever. You know, yeah, that's that's a great because, habit. That is a, a fantastic habit, and and even in the way in which we we word things, like I practice talking to my kids without my kids in front of me, because I want to mm-hmm. make sure that when the words come out of my mouth, they're not hasty, they're not reckless, they're not hurtful, and I can say things. And don't get me wrong, it, this is not to say that I don't do those things. Not not wonder dad over right. here totally, totally. messes up frequently, <laughs> but knowing that I'm going to come up to the same situations, the same time my daughters didn't clean the room, the same time that they didn't do their homework that they, they or that they lied about doing something. And I need to be able to show up in my best self to show them, show them how human relations work, how conflict resolution works, how bringing up the hard stuff works, as opposed to yelling, screaming, getting mad, uh, acu- uh, being accusatory, all of this stuff. 
there's ways that we can do it in a very in, in a way that we would want them to react the, the way that we coach them to react <laughs> we need to find that yeah 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 it's so funny it's like i know the same issues are going to happen and yet i act like i'm surprised <laughs> that they didn't how could you not do that yeah and, and like my it's like ned why are you, you you basically create a habit of reacting yeah right instead of going and prepping beforehand and be like okay when i go in the house from work today there's going to be a problem um and so i need to be ready for that problem and uh it's not going to go as expected and it's funny because at work we do it, we handle it all day at work and we're like put a big old smile on our face and handle the client issue whatever and then we go home and we're like well and we're problem solvers not quite too, right? the same I mean, with our family I, I don't think that's a um, thing for a father but i do think it is for a father we're yeah. problem solvers and so what do problem solvers need problems and solutions and if we don't have enough problems in our world, we go seek them out. Mm. So if you're not dealing with some of the bigger stuff, you start looking for some of the smaller stuff. And you know you need to be able to get to the point to be like, this problem doesn't need solved. You might just be inventing that problem anyway. And if it is something that's minor in the grand scheme of the world, you know what? My daughter ate sushi with her fingers tonight. <laughs> and part of me is like, for the love of all things holy, will you use the chopsticks or a fork? You're getting sticky fingers. You know what, dad? relax she's gonna be just fine in life <laughs> yeah let's unpack this for a minute because this is a bit of an aha for me so all day long my mind is working on uh solving problems like okay it's either solving problems working on something or working towards a goal right so i get up and i i read i work out i prep myself with my morning routine for my hyper important right. day whatever and then <laughs> and then i go into like either moving goals forward mm -hmm. or solving problems but either way i'm working on something okay so then when i go home now it's clear to me that if i'm a problem solver i'm looking for something to work on because i don't know what to do as a man if i'm not working on something so what in your opinion is beyond the working on something right um what does it look like to work on something from eight to five and then go home and then just be and live your life and not work on something. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's so, it's so cool. Have, I mean, for me, what I'm so, working on is I'm working on the connection with my kids. Just change the goal. Like when I start looking at it as a connection with my girls, then it shifts everything. And then, you know what, the times when they need to be, I don't need to be connected to my kids all the time for the love of all things holy. I need a break. <laughs> like I need a time in my office to read or to do something, even if they're out there living their lives and playing in the backyard. But if what I'm looking for is to say, well, how do I connect better with my kids? I don't have to shut off the, the problem solving. I, I the creative uh, problem solving might be the wrong word in that, but the, what are my goals and what am I working towards when I'm still trying to create these beautiful, wonderful people. I'm just correcting the right stuff, which is usually me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is rad. So this last week I've been, I've been kind of journaling about what are you connected to? Mm. So I think, I think um, what I'm realizing is I'm trying to be like sixth gear for work, right? Just go hard and then go home and be like third gear at home. But in this conversation um, and, and through me journaling about being connected, 
I think I'm still connected in sixth or third to solving something versus like, let me just be connected to my son or let me be connected to one of my daughters or let me be connected to my wife, which then shifts my purpose and role in that created moment or created space of what am I supposed to be doing in this time block? And I think as men, we just kind of need to know what am I supposed to be doing right now? And then we could go all in on it. But work, in a sense, is default, which work is solving problems. That I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you. I like the analogy, too, because sometimes you got to downshift. <laughs> like, at some yeah. point, you got to sometimes just but, throw it into But are you downshifting just to do the same shit? Like, am I just downshifting right. from, you know, at work, I'm working on a $700,000 contract. And at home, the fan is on in your room. Or I've walked past this freaking Starburst wrapper on the floor for three days and no one sees it but me. It's laundry on the floor. Right? I, I, yeah. Wait, lingerie? Laundry, lingerie. I know. We could hope. Hey, we could hope, bro. Whole different podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I like it. So I like the idea of not just downshifting, but, but switching from what am I connected to? Am I connected to work? Or am I connected to people? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I love that that thought there. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Even at work, sometimes there's a connection to people. But let's leave that out the door for a second. And yeah, when you get home, it's like, yeah. dude, you don't have to solve your family's problems. <sighs> I know I it know. feels like yes. it. I know. And I don't get me wrong. I feel like that sometimes too. And, and I find myself when I'm stressed or when I'm pissing off my wife or when I'm doing something, typically it's because I'm trying to solve some sort of problem. And, and it's not to say that there's not a place for that. It's not to say shut it off all, all together, but the majority of my nights, I make sure that, all right, what am I doing? Am I watching my, my daughters play hockey or am I watching them swim or am I playing on the piano? I don't know the piano with my daughter who yeah. just wants to show me something or to be there next to her. And I don't have to work on, I don't have a goal there. My goal mm. is to be, my goal is to be. It sounds so, it sounds so yeah. philosophical and, and my, it, it kind of is. And at the other time, it doesn't have to be that hard. It just sitting next to them and enjoying their time because we get such a limited amount of it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be, just to be, you earned it, do it, live it. That, that, that's your, your opportunity. Um, all right. I want to jump into my next question. Right. Okay. You talk about brain on and brain off. Mm. Well, talk, talk to me about this. What, what's going on here? Sure. Well, as soon as I start, I start, when I start doing very smart kind of my daughters, here's, we get into this loop anyway, as fathers, we always tell the same stuff. We, we say the same stories. We say the same words. We're like going to parents repeating ourselves all the time. And I kept saying, you know, brave, smart, kind, brave, smart, kind, brave, smart, kind. What today were you brave about? What was a smart moment? What was a kind moment? I found myself saying it so often. I was annoying myself and my kids started to zone out. And I said, you know what? It's not enough to say, be brave, be smart, be kind. There needs to be some other words, some other action, some other something. So I tried to put verbs with those words um, and to say, all right, to be brave, what does that mean? It means to keep your chin up. All right, keep your chin up. Mm. What does it mean to be smart? Just keep your brain on. What does it mean to be kind is to keep your heart open. So more often than not now, I don't say brace my kind at all. I say, hey, keep your chin up. Yeah. Hey, is your brain on? No. Is your heart open right now or is it closed? So the opposite. So we, when we talk about brain on, brain off, it is 
are you thinking? (laughs) What do you need to do right now? Is it gaining perspective or is it gaining knowledge or is it gaining awareness or whatever the moment calls for? I just need to say, hey, is your brain on? Your brain off right now. And sometimes it is often. Sometimes mine is too. (laughs) And then we talk about like once they get a little bit older, here's what with Brace Mark Kind, it's so good because you can talk to a two-year-old about being Brace Mark Kind and help them just understand the basics. And you can talk to a full grown man about being brave, smart, and kind and what that means in their world. So as the girls start to get older and I start to talk about brain on brain off, one of the things is if they start throwing a temper tantrum, I talk about this with my wife is it's like medically, biologically speaking, the blood isn't going to the parts of the brain that they need to when they're throwing a temper tantrum and you try to use logic with them. Their brain is literally off. It's there's no thought there. And you're not going to use logic to control a teenager's temper tantrum or a four-year-old's temper tantrum. You've got to make sure that their oxygen is getting to their brain. They need to be able to breathe. They need to be able to calm down. And then you can have a conversation about it. So that's just one of the ways when you talk about smart, it's just me trying to put an action towards that and say, is your brain on and off? And as they grow, I can use that language with them in different contexts. I use it with my seven-year-old differently than I use it with my 13-year-old, differently use it with my wife or talk to myself about that, you know? So it, it helps them frame their mind to say, all right, well, what do I need to think about right now? Yeah. So I'm going to um, share a story and then I'm going to ask the question um, in a more focused, just to, to kind of hone in on something. Okay. So uh, my daughter's having a real problem with some sports last night. And so I drove to go to this tournament and I went to the tournament so I could be there, support her. Um, she had a terrible time, didn't have fun. She played fine and, and we're in the car and she's crying and it's like this whole thing. And we get my wife on the phone and I bring this up to go, her brain was off in that moment. Okay. Now I, so here's what I'm going to lean into. Cause that's what I want you to educate us dads on. I didn't, she just wanted to come home. Okay. So long story short, she wanted to come home and then drive the two hours to this place again tomorrow. And my wife's like, no way. But I'm like, oh my gosh, she's super sad over here. This sucks. My wife's like, no, you're going to stay with the team. But she wasn't forceful or rude about it. But here's the thing that you said that I wanted to help guys hear. My wife's like, hey, just stop for a minute. Just stop and just breathe. Take three deep breaths. Like my wife's on the phone. I'm sitting in the car. Um, it was like 10 o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, something like this. And, um, she had her take some deep breaths and then we made the decision out of taking the deep breaths. And guys, like when you do this with your kids, I mean, if you got young kids start now, okay. Um, because your kids are going to be like, you're a weirdo dad. If you know, you're like, they're 17 and you haven't been <laughs> doing this. That, they'll think that anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're not going to avoid that probably. Um, but okay. So then with that. I wouldn't say it changed everything, but then the, today is like, today was great. I'm so glad I stayed the night mm-hmm. there. It's like, thank God for my wife. Cause I was like going soft on her. So the breathing thing. Okay. 17 year old breathing thing. Then I'm gonna share yep. one more story. My 13 year old daughter and I will straight up. I mean, if, if she was a boy, we would probably want to sock each other in the faces. I mean, we will cockfight like you will not believe. I mean, dude, we're on the phone. I'm at the gym. We're on the phone and we are like starting to go at it. And I was like, Hey, stop go lay in your bed and call me in five minutes yeah because she was she was brain off Mm -hmm. so so actually i did good in this moment i'm like just let's stop talking call me in five minutes yeah 
So then I'm at the gym, whatever. In five minutes, I get a call from a girl who is brain on, who is engaged. Dad, I don't know. And I think dad's like, how often do we get to that point where we are in an argument with our kids and we're like, little mother effer, you ain't beating me. And so we just go in. But the thing is, is that kid's brain is off. So what I want you to talk about is not so much like, do I say to my kid, Hey Tim, like, is your brain on or off tomorrow? (laughs) But are we aware of it? Like, hang on a second. My kid is just, his brain's off. So talk to me about that as dads, knowing if your kid's brain is on or off and like what to do about that, how to cultivate that from both. We're in an argument to whatever else comes to your mind. Right. So there's so many things in there to hit on. Um, First of all, you can see it when a kid's brain goes off. Like they just, they get this different look in their eye that if you have to be, and I would very much discourage mm. any father saying, is your, your brain's off or like accusing them. <laughs> do not do that in the moment because they don't want to hear it and they'll, that'll just continue. But um, one of the reasons why, when we try to communicate with a child, when they're in a very emotional state and that can be anger, sadness, or whatever it is, is the oxygen isn't mm. going to the right part of the brain. Like the blood's just not flowing there. And the oxygen that's in the blood isn't getting there. So that that tip that yeah. your wife had and what you did was perfect because that's the biological way to actually get their brain turned on again. So we don't say it. We don't say brain off, but we recognize it. And once you recognize it, you've yeah. got to have the tactics built in in advance. Because if you tell a pissed off person to go calm down. Oh, my wife loves it when I tell her that. You need to calm down. It works all the time. Excuse (laughs) me. Which is is the same thing is what you have to be able to do is establish those habits and those practices and teach people how to breathe before they need the ability to breathe. Because you can't be in an emergency and say, now I'm going to teach you something. You have to walk them through that. So that was mostly that was my middle child is she would just get outrageously angry at the drop of a hat. And this isn't even my preteen, like she's 10. And at the time when we started to do breathing exercises was when she was eight. And I went to this parent camp in Novi, Michigan, where I was the keynote speaker. But I went to all the sessions because I just love learning about this stuff. And there was one and they gave me a pack of cards that helped with breathing exercises and helping kids calm down in those moments. And one is a llama breath. And when llamas breathe, I guess there's a hum to it. I've never really heard it, but it's like, all right, take in this deep breath and we count for five. And then we count to five as we exhale, but we're humming instead of breathing. So we in and then hum on the way out. So I've been practicing that with Emmeline over and over and over and over again. So that when she's in that moment, all I have to say is llama breath. And then it's not me saying your brain is off or you're not thinking or calm yeah. down or anything yeah. that's getting, that's going to trigger her. It's just saying, let's get back to that moment where you and I were great a second, uh, not a second ago, last night and the day before and the week before. Yeah. And we do it regularly. And that's, I mean, this same power as meditation and yoga and all the things that help people, the mindfulness side of things, mindfulness, that's, that's it is I need you to turn on your mind and hear the tactics to do it, but you've got to do it when they're calm. You can't teach them when they're hot. Yeah. Dude, so good. And I think even a simple one that comes to mind is like, because sometimes I think, hey, go lay in your bed sounds like a punishment 
to be like, Hey, can we go take a quick walk? Can we set a timer for five minutes and just not say anything, you know, because then you're going to, you are going to go start breathing. Right. And and you're going to start thinking clear. So I think figure out what works for your kid. And, and as a dad, it's your opportunity to try 99 things until you get it right. Like, Hell yeah, like absolutely go the same thing after won't work for the it, same dude. Kid. That's a, no, it doesn't always, it doesn't always equate and that's okay. No, it doesn't. That's okay. It does not. As you're talking about this, a couple things to lean into, um, dads, like I ask myself questions at the end of the day. Like, um, I don't do it every day, but on a perfect day, Hey, who did you serve today? How did you <clears> fail today? A question I think for us dads is, um, ask yourself when you were brain off, like, oh man, when I was talking to my wife earlier, I totally went brain off. You know, I think for you to start being aware of when you did it. Um, and cause I, use shut down. Like a lot of times I'll just, I'll just shut down. Sure. I'm like, I, and I've told my wife that I'm shutting down right now. Like I just, I have nothing else. Um, and so to reflect back on that. So then to reflect back on that, you said habit and practice, you know, we put in habit and practice in the gym or in a hobby or in work or whatever, but to literally think being a parent, I need to create habits and I need to practice them. It, it, when you're good, <laughs> so you got to practice them all the time. Don't get me wrong, but practice them when you're good. So that when you're bad, you recognize it because no father in their most angry moment has thought I need to calm down. <laughs> Yeah. It means after they're angry and then they start to calm down, they're like, shit, I lost it again. Yep. I didn't, I did it again. And you start to feel the shame as a father that you're not showing up in the way that you want to show up, that you told yourself yesterday right. that you would show up or the day before, the week before, the month before. So then in those moments, it's all right. I, I like that where, where you, I, for me, it's, I, I need to take a minute. And I've started doing that where I'm like, I need to take one. And you know what? Your kids see that. And I do it with my girls. Mm. If I'm getting heated and they're pissed off and I'm like, sweetheart, I need to take a minute right now. And I go to my room <laughs> where I'm going to calm down. And now Emmeline, sometimes she's like, I need to take a minute. And you know what? I need to let her. And my wife needs to let her do that. Even though she, we might think she's trying to get out of it. She's trying to escape something. She's trying to do whatever. We've taught her that's the way to calm down. Let her calm down. Let's have the conversation after. But your kids are going to hand down your values, hand down your habits, hand down your actions. What you do, they see. And what they see, they follow. Find, if you want to teach your kids how to deal with their anger, show them how to deal with it in the best way that you can in a positive practice. You know, Because if you deal with it in yelling, you're, you're going to have kids yelling back at you frequently. It's just going to be a yeah escalating scale. Yeah, scale, yeah. Right? 100%. Um, PJ, we could talk all day about fatherhood, about brave, smart, kind. <laughs> it's fun. I love it. It's, good uh, it's so good. Um, is there anything that when you think about the book that you want to share that you haven't already um, or any other stories or anything you want to touch on before I ask my last question? I just don't want to miss opportunity of something that may be on your mind uh, to share. I, you know what, uh, as one of the reasons, so I've got this poem, the father forgets on my wall mm -hmm. and I actually pulled it over to, cause I was like, if there's one thing I want fathers to hear, yeah. it's this poem. So remember fathers, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. You could just go Google father forgets online too. If you want to look that up. Um, look for me, it's the ways that, that we show up as a father. I don't think that 
I don't think the world puts enough expectations on us. Yeah, not at Quite all. Quite frankly, they put a lot of expectation on moms. Yeah. They don't put enough on us and we need these types of conversations. I love what you're doing that. I love yeah, what thanks, you're doing man. here. We need these types of conversations to make sure that we're holding each other accountable. And that's not to say that it's not to shame or guilt or talk about or to accuse anyone of failing or anything like that. It's to say our kids put more expectations on it than the world does. And we need to be able to be in touch with those and think about those because later in life, those are the quality things. Those, uh, someone's on their deathbed. They're not going to be like, did I work enough hours? <laughs> and say, did I spend enough time with my kids or grandkids or do the things that I love or sh- spend happy moments or shared love? I don't all of these things. And I just want to make sure that people are living into that. Mm. Beautiful. So as you share that, I, something came to mind that I've been in the back of my mind, somewhat wrestling with, I don't ask your opinion on it. You said, don't feel guilt. Don't feel shame. So what do you think about us saying dads feel guilty? Like when I feel, feel guilty, (laughs) but, and, and, and I don't know, you know, don't let the guilt turn into shame where then it's crippled you to show up. Let that guilt fuel you to show up as the dad that you want to be. So that when you look in the mirror, when you read the poem, you're like, I'm in it. Right. So what do you think about that? The, the, because sometimes we're just like too soft on ourselves. So what do you think about feeling the guilt? (laughs) So the, and for me thinking of this, like deathbed, you don't want to be guilty on your deathbed. You want to be able to get no doubt, but here's it. This is a Brene Brown. This is where I, I learned it from Brene Brown. She's like, there's a difference between guilt and shame and guilt is what you've done. That's feeling bad about what something you've done. And shame is about feeling bad about who you are. Mm. Yeah. Guilt. Good. My daughter's like, daddy, I feel so bad that I, that I yelled at you. And I always tell them the same thing. Good. You should feel bad that you yelled at someone. That means you're a good person. Mm-hmm. And you feel bad about something you've done. Bad people don't feel guilty about treating someone like crap. You yeah. do great. That's good. And you're not a bad person. You just did something bad. And I do the same thing sometimes and that's okay. So I try to separate that guilt and that shame for them. And I do it for myself too. PJ, you did not show up as a father you wanted to be tonight. You put them to bed and you put them to bed angry just because they were slow moving their feet, brushing their teeth and you were tired and you wanted to get back to whatever you were doing. Yeah. Tomorrow. This is, this is part of the poem too. He says, tomorrow I'm going to be a real dad. That one crushes me and makes me Mm. cry every time. Damn that poem. Uh, Tomorrow show up at night in the way that you want to do. And that's because I felt the guilt from the day before. But what I'm not going to say is PJ, you're a crap dad. You don't deserve these wonderful beings. You don't deserve to be happy, which a lot of dads do. Not shouldn't. I mean, they feel like that. <laughs> yeah. Saying they should feel like that, you know? So I, I try to have some grace with myself. I try to have some forgiveness with myself and say, Hey, all right, you messed up. I feel guilty about it. And you can reverse guilt. If you start shaming people or shaming yourself. And that's, I, I try never to tell my girls, Oh, you are annoying. (laughs) Sweetheart, you're being annoying right now. I don't need that question again. You know, not to say you are something because that, that I said it in the book, like the Forrest Gump quote is stupid as a stupid does. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. You can make stupid decisions and you're not a stupid person. You can be, make bad choices. You're not a bad person. Feel guilty. Show up again the next way you want to. Yeah, because ultimately you are in control of the man that you are becoming, the father you're becoming, which is just brick by brick habits. Yeah. So, you know, let the guilt, if if you do, you know, and there's going to be 
today I'm going to do something great as a dad and I'm going to do something crappy as a dad. And I want to learn from the crappy one and I want to become better and better through that. Um, PG, I'm going to ask you my last question. It's a legacy question. Yeah. So imagine standing out in a cul-de-sac in 30 years, peering into the homes of your children. They will be just about the age you are now. What is it that you will see in their homes and you'll know the brick by brick that you laid, you know, from today moving to that day, uh, you're seeing that played out in their home. What do you see? Well, first of all, I'd be like, ask me to come in the house. What kind of kid leaves their 75 year old dad out in the cold? Uh, I'm staring through that window and I'm looking at my kids with their kids in my imagination, whether they'll be moms or not, we'll see. But, um, and I'm looking at them recognizing and seeing the superpower in their kids that already exists and not holding them mm-hmm. to some impossible standard. I see them treating them with whatever respect or dignity or love or fun or joy or giddiness or whatever that they want to have and not expecting that out of their children, but giving it to their children and recognizing their kids. Mm-hmm. As in That's beautiful. Thanks. I love the giving it to their children. Well said. PJ, keep doing what you're doing, man. Loving, loving your kiddos, loving your wife, um, continuing to become daily uh, the man that you want to see in the mirror and inspiring others around you to do the same. I uh, greatly appreciated this time connecting with you and, and look forward to uh, staying connected and watching same. all the things that you do, man. So yeah, thank absolutely. you so no, much you for keep being up, here. Keep up the good work, man. It's important. Thanks for what you're doing for Father's Day. Thank you. Mm, love it. Until next time. See ya. What an incredible conversation. So enjoyed connecting with PJ. Clearly, he is living what he is all about. Uh, His book is a reflection of work he's done in his own home and continues to do. So highly recommend if you are looking to build some core values in your home, go grab PJ's book, dig into that, and then write a review on Amazon. Quick pause before we end here. My dude, you're already making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a father. So kudos to you and thank you. As you know, though, many men stumble into their role as fathers. Our society is in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and are engaged in their home. And I created the Adventure Fatherhood Children's Book and Gift Box for this very reason. Not only do I want you to hold this kid's book and feel like, oh my gosh, this was made for me. And yes, I matter. Not only do I want you to read it with your kid and connect you with your son. So you feel like, man, we're connecting on a whole nother level. I'm able to share my story with him, but also it's an opportunity. You can go to adventurefatherhood.com, order the gift box or the book for a new dad, send it to him with a note that says, bro, welcome to fatherhood. Most men stumble in. Nobody's inviting them in. We have to do it. We have to invite men in, show them who they are. I want less dads when their kids 13, 14, 15 going, what am I doing? How am I doing this? How do I show up for my kid? We want to start inviting them and showing them who they are when they are first becoming fathers and get them lit up on this adventure and this journey. So adventurefatherhood.com or go to Amazon, grab a copy, make your own gift box. You are more than capable, but wanted to do some of the legwork for you and create something beautiful, fun, and cool. 
All right. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That's who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide net shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Thank you.